Before we get into our message today, I wanted to quickly mention uh, our reopening strategy. It feels like we've done this a few times because we have done this a few times over the course of this two years in the pandemic. Uh, next week will be the last time that we will be uh, having pre-registration for the service and putting limits in terms of uh, how many folks can be in the room. So for those of you watching online and those of you in the room here, uh, next week will be the last time we do that. Starting February 6th, uh, we'll just uh, eliminate registration and uh, the same thing, we will not limit it to 150 people into the service. And so just be mindful of, of those changes. And uh, by God's grace, it's been nice to see the drop in positivity rate. If you've been paying attention to our city, it was much different just a couple of weeks ago. And so to see the rapid decline of that is very encouraging. And I look forward to uh, seeing many of you uh, in this space here and, connect, and continuing to bear witness to what Jesus is doing at New Life in some powerful ways. I think God has a wonderful year ahead for us in 2022. Now, we're focusing on the book of Proverbs. We've been on a series looking at various themes. The first week we talked about the wisdom of searching for wisdom. We talked about the second week becoming wise with our words. Last week we heard about becoming wise in our work. Today we're going to hear about becoming wise in our conflicts, becoming wise in our conflicts. And I know this message doesn't apply to any of you in this room. I know you don't have any conflicts. I know you agree with everyone, no problems with anyone. But in the event that a conflict emerges in the next day, week, month or so, I think this will be a really helpful uh, message for you. I want to offer some biblical principles and I want to make this as practical as I possibly can which I would mean I want to invite you over the course of this coming week, you might want to listen again to capture some things that might be of special importance to you as you navigate relationships uh, in this particular time that we are in. And so let's pray. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us, to open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds, our eyes, that we would receive every gift that he has for us this day. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of Crystalline and her witness to you in this baptism. Thank you for an opportunity to sing and worship. And now as we come under the authority of your word, would you give us wisdom with the Holy Spirit? Open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts. May we receive everything we need from you this day. We pray these things in Christ's name. And everyone said... Amen. We increasingly live in a world in which we are faced with lots of conflict. And I wish I had better news, but here's what I want to say. There's nothing we can do to stop it. There's nothing we can do to stop conflict that comes our way. Why? Because to be human is to experience conflict. Period. There's no way around it. To be human is to experience conflict. Now, when we experience conflict, there's typically three ways that we go about doing it. We either avoid conflict like the plague and avoid people like the plague who we have conflict with, or we see conflict as an opportunity to defeat someone, or we see conflict as an opportunity to wisely and lovingly negotiate our differences. But we typically avoid it, we typically use it as an opportunity to defeat someone, or we see it as an opportunity to lovingly and wisely negotiate our differences. Let me ask you, where do you typically go when conflict surfaces? I'll tell you where I go. I typically avoid people 
who I have conflict with. At the beginning of the pandemic, I had a conflict with someone, and one day I'm at the grocery store, not my local grocery store, but a different kind of grocery store pretty far away, and and as I'm in this grocery store, it might have been aisle seven or something like that, I see the person who I have a conflict with. Now, thankfully, I had a mask on at the time, and so it's pretty nice to have a mask on when you have conflict with someone. And then I threw my hood on after that. Now, prior to seeing this person, I was a contemplatively shopping. I was having a great time. I was looking at the coupons. It was just wonderful. And then I see the person in the same aisle. And they had the ketchup in their hands and all that, the ketchup. And I just put the hood on and walked right by them and hurried up and finished my thing and got out of that grocery store and drove home. And as I'm driving home, I'm thinking, this cannot be a healthy way of relating to this person. This cannot be a healthy way of being a Christian, negotiating and navigating through these conflicts. And I imagine that I am not alone. And yet, here's the invitation that I want you to hear as we look at some of these Proverbs uh, this day. If I'm going to mature in Christ, I need to learn how to deal with conflict. That's really the thrust of this message today. If I'm going to mature in Jesus Christ... I need to learn, we need to learn how to deal with conflict. And as we start this message, I just want to tell you, I know how hard this is. I know what it's like to lose sleep because of a difficult conversation that needs to be had. I know what it's like to carry anxiety because someone I care for and love sees an issue much different than I do. I know what it's like to get emails from people who are disappointed by things that I've said or things that I didn't say. I know what it's like to have to confront someone because of bad judgment. I know what it's like to be confronted by someone because of my bad judgment. And so this is something that I carry. This is something that uh, it's stressful. This is something that's not easy. And yet it's an opportunity for us to mature in Christ. Now, when I talk about conflict, I'm talking about a serious disagreement regarding a meaningful uh, issue, a meaningful situation, a serious disagreement regarding a meaningful situation, which means when I talk about conflict, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about remaining in dehumanizing situations. I'm not talking about remaining and persevering in situations that are dangerous and dysfunctional. I'm talking about the normal, emotionally charged disagreements we have with people. And again, to be human is to experience this. Whether it's conflicts with your children around their use of technology, whether it's conflicts with your spouse around finances, whether it's conflicts with your roommate around what's happening in the apartment and how to keep things tidy, whether it's conflicts at church around differences in theology, whether it's conflicts with people in your small group who are just triggering each other in different ways, we need not be surprised to experience conflict. And this is important because we are often surprised, and I'm often surprised how surprised I am when conflict emerges. And part of this happens because we typically have various uh, stages in our minds about how human relationships are supposed to unfold, and when they don't unfold in that way, we, we don't know what to do with ourselves. 
I find it helpful to think about human relationships in three different stages. That if you move towards someone or a community or an individual, you're going to find three different stages that you will experience. Most people don't make it past stage two. The first stage is the heavenly stage of human relationships. The second stage is the hellish stage. The third stage is the holding detention stage. In the heavenly stage, everything is wonderful. You just met someone and you want to marry him. Do you know his last name? That's irrelevant, but he's fine or she looks good and you want to marry. You're in the heavenly stage. I often know when someone is new to our congregation because they're in heaven. They see our church. They're like, what a church. The values, the people, everyone is so kind. You've been here for two months. Every, this is the best church I've ever been to. Stick around for a little bit. Because our church is just like every other church on this planet. We have some immaturity. We're going to see things differently. We're going to have to negotiate our differences. But it's often the case that we start off in the heavenly stage, a romanticized stage, an idealized stage. Everything seems wonderful. And then inevitably what happens is there is a letdown. If you move close to anyone at some point, there's going to be a letdown. If you stay within our church more than two, three, four months or so, there's going to be a letdown. If you move your life towards other people, there's going to be a letdown. There's going to be a moment in which you are now disoriented and disappointment. disappointed. This is a letdown period. You find out that the man you fell in love with doesn't know how to be emotionally present with you. You find out that the woman that you love rather spends time at work than with you. You find out that the community that you found yourself a part of, that there are people who think vastly differently than you do. And now it becomes this hellish existence. Why am I here? And it is at this point where people leave. It's at this point where a relationship comes to an end. It's at this point where someone says, I'm finding a new church. It's at this point when someone says, I quit. I'm getting a new job. And so we have this heavenly stage and then we have this hellish stage. What wisdom and maturity says is I must move on to the next stage of holding the tensions. Now, remember, I'm not talking about dysfunction. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about danger. I'm talking about the ordinary, normal disagreements and conflicts and tensions that we have. And when we're growing in maturity and in wisdom, we allow ourselves to make it to the third stage where people are no longer angels or demons, we're something of a mixture of them both. We're angelic demons or demonic angels, whatever you want to say here. But we are now a mixture. The community is no longer heaven and the church is no longer hell. We are somewhere situated between heaven and hell. We are mixture. All of us are mixture. And so to talk about conflict means that we have to recognize the various stages of human interaction. I used to think that conflict was a sign of immaturity, and sometimes it is. But more often than not, conflict is simply an expression of our humanity. And so when we look at the scriptures, when we examine human life, there are really two important truths that we must continue to come back to. I just alluded to one of them, and it is that conflict shouldn't surprise us. Conflict shouldn't surprise us. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters, that the Bible 
is filled with conflicts. Be encouraged that the early church had so many conflicts and disagreements that caused a lot of challenge in their community. Many church and family crises and splits occur because people don't have an environment or culture that normalizes conflict or equips people to have difficult conversations, which is what we want to do at New Life. And so conflict shouldn't surprise us. The second thing I want you to know before we get into a couple of Proverbs is that conflict often requires confrontation. And by confrontation, I simply mean that it calls us to address it. I'm not talking about confrontation in the sense of hostility, but it calls us to address it. Some of us believe that we can pray conflict away. You cannot pray conflict away. We often use prayer to avoid or spiritualize conflict instead of using our prayers to courageously step into them. It's so easy to use our prayers to avoid them as opposed to using our prayers to courageously step into them. And the reason why this is so hard is because there's so many layers at work that keep us from wisely negotiating and working through our differences. Some of us came from families that did not do conflict well. And that stuff is in you. Think about for a moment, how did your family growing up do conflict? Was there yelling, screaming, avoiding like the plague? How did your family do conflict? Chances are the way your family did conflict is the way the gravitational pull your default mode of doing conflict as well, which is why we say at New Life, Jesus might live in your heart, but grandpa lives in your bones. Your family has a way of forming you deeply and continuing that from one generation to the next. This differs from personality to personality. This this differs from time to time regarding the various ethnic or cultural group you belong to. There's certain cultural groups or ethnic groups that are less inclined to addressing conflicts. But this is one thing that I've discovered in my 14 years in this congregation. 14 years being here in a congregation with over 75 nations represented, this is what I've discovered. No matter who you are, no matter what your ethnic, racial, cultural background, we all have a hard time with conflict. No matter what your generation, no matter what your education, We all have a struggle with wisely negotiating our differences. And so what does it mean to be people who become wise in our conflicts? What does it mean to negotiate our differences well? What does it mean to see our relationships and the way we respond to conflicts glorify Jesus and the way of the kingdom of God? What I want to do is I want to offer three Proverbs to you. This is not an exhaustive list. This is not comprehensive, but hopefully it'll get us on the right step here whenever conflict emerges, whether it emerges tomorrow, on Tuesday. I spoke to someone after the first service. He said, before the service was up, I already had conflict with someone here. And I'm thinking, amen. All right, now the Spirit's moving here. Three Proverbs to help us become wise in our Conflicts. The first thing I want to say is this. Conflict calls for calm presence. Conflict calls. Becoming wise in our conflicts 
calls for calm presence. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer requires a calm presence. What hurts relationships is not necessarily the issue that we disagree on, but how that issue is processed. It is easy to lose the topic of the conversation because of the tone of how the conversation is being had. Can I get a witness here? (laughs) Have you ever had a conversation with someone and, and, and three, four minutes into it, you forgot what you're talking about? Why? Because you're so triggered. And why are you lifting, raising your voice? And why are you folding your arms? And who do you think you're talking to like that? Five minutes into it, you're talking about everything else except the topic that brought up the initial conflict. And so conflict calls, resolving conflict, becoming wise in our conflict calls for calm presence. And so the question is, does our speech turn away wrath or stir up anger? <laughs> is the way that we relate to one another, does it, does it turn away wrath or does it stir up anger? Now, some of you are saying, you know what, I'm not really someone who gets loud and, and, and I'm, not, I'm pretty much soft-spoken in my conflicts. But let me say this, there's a way of, of stirring up anger without using harsh words. At New Life, we talk about dirty fighting. There's ways of dirty fighting. And I want to put a list here. I know none of you experience this, and this doesn't apply to you, but, but for your friend, this might apply here. There's other ways in which we stir up anger. And whether it's through the silent treatment, whether it's through lecturing or condescension or name-calling or sarcasm or avoiding or hitting or passive-aggressive behavior, we have a way, the gravitational pull whenever conflict emerges because anxiety gets high is for us to stir something up as opposed to being a calm presence, which is why to become a calm presence, why do we pray? Why are we called to open ourselves to God in prayer and in silence to allow the Holy Spirit to do in us what we cannot do for ourselves? When we take time for five minutes and 10 minutes and 15 minutes to say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. When we open ourselves to say, Lord, may your will be done. May your kingdom come. May I be a good gift to the people around me. That's why we pray. Not just so we can throw holy words at God and get God to do our bidding. We pray so that we can open ourselves to the Holy Spirit, that we may be a calm presence in a midst of a world that's marked with great conflict calm presence this is why we pray and so at the end of the day what we are invited into is presence calm presence this does not mean that there's nothing swirling inside of you this does not mean that you're not experiencing or touched by anxiety or nervousness but that your presence is calm at new life we talk a lot about this term called differentiation Differentiation comes out of family systems theory, and it's a very important term, especially as we're trying to negotiate and navigate our differences. Differentiation, let me give you my definition of it, is remaining close to God 
close to myself and close to others, especially in times of high anxiety and resisting the polar opposite pull of cutting you off or being fused into you. Remaining close to God, close to myself, and close to others in times of high anxiety and resisting the polar opposite pull of cutting you off or disappearing into you. That's what we are invited to live. And it's hard, yes. But calm presence is the invitation for us. And I'm going to get in a moment, I'm going to talk about the ways that we can begin to cultivate that. The second proverb we want to help us with is Proverbs, navigating wisdom, conflict wisely, recalls for calm presence. But secondly, conflict calls for humility, for humility. Look at Proverbs 21.2. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. One of the hardest things for me to admit is that I might not see as clearly as I think. I have a hard time from time to time admitting that I don't see the issue as clear. It's you who doesn't see it clearly. I see it as clear as I see all the angles. It's you who doesn't see it clearly. But humility says I could be very wrong here. Humility says, I might be missing something really important. And so here's some good questions whenever you're in conflict with someone. Good questions, good humble questions to ask to facilitate wise engagement of conflict. What if you said in a moment of conflict, can you help me understand why you feel this way? What if we said in a moment of conflict, what are you seeing that I might not be seeing? What if in our time of conflict we say, what's the most important thing you want me to remember in light of everything that we've talked about? Could you imagine our relationships if we all came to the table saying, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? What do you want me to remember most? Help me understand why you feel this way. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. The truth is, we all have blind spots. The truth is, we all don't see as clearly as we do. And to negotiate our differences in the way of Jesus, in the way of love, in the way of wisdom, requires us to grow in humility. That's the second invitation for us. Where are you seeing things or think you see things clearly that you might need to say, I might not see it as clearly as I think. But here's the third proverb. It requires calm presence for us to negotiate and navigate through conflict. It requires humility, but conflict calls for community as well. There's so many ways that we can apply this verse, and it applies very well here. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We all need community to help us see things we cannot see. 
We all need community to help us calm down. We all need community to help us gain a perspective on something and gain wisdom to address the situation. I need you to hear this because community is something that we do that, in, that, that strengthens us to navigate our conflicts well. In other words, humility, uh, community is different than triangulation. This is what happens with triangulation, and it's done under the guise of community. I have a problem, let's say, with Belinda. Belinda, she's just phenomenal, but I never have a problem with Belinda. But, but if I did have a problem with Belinda, let's just say I have a problem with Belinda, and, 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 and I'm just too anxious to talk to Belinda directly. And so what do I do? I find someone else that I can talk to expressing all of my concerns, my anger, my frustration with Belinda, and then after I talk to someone else about Belinda... I feel really good. I just, I just needed to get that off my chest. I, I talk bad about her and all that, but I just needed to get that off my chest. Now, a wise person in community would hear what I had to say about Belinda and say, now, when are you going to actually have a conversation with Belinda? And I go, no, I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. Why should I do that? No, 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 no. no. That's, see, you see, Human beings, we gravitate towards creating triangles. It's what we, we all, it's it, a two-person relationship is anxiety producing. And I often need somebody else to help me alleviate some anxiety. But if it's only done for the sake of alleviating my anxiety and not addressing the actual issue, that's no longer community. That's no longer wisdom. That's me finding the easy way out. That's me not growing in maturity. That's me perpetuating. That's me gossiping. That's me not actually taking the next step as a follower of Jesus. And so we are invited for community, which is why at New Life Fellowship Church, we're here to be a community with one another, which is why we talk about small groups and gathering together in small groups. Why? Because conflicts emerge and we need wisdom. We have blind spots. We need people to pray with us and counsel us and advise us to help us negotiate our differences well. We need one another. Now, I want to end with something really tangible and really practical. Because I know what some of you are thinking, and I know what probably is going to happen by Wednesday. You've taken good notes today. Calm presence, yeah, that's right. Humility, praise the Lord. Community, that's right. I got it. I'm good. I'm good. And then Wednesday's going to come, Thursday's going to come, and you're going to be in the middle of something. You know, the dishwasher again didn't get emptied, you know, the laundry wasn't put away, you know, something, something happened in the job, the, your coworker's not pulling his weight or her weight, and, and you're going to feel it, and then you're going to be in the middle of something. And everything we've talked about today is going to go to the wayside as you now begin to operate in your default mode. I want to give you a word to help you step back Whenever conflicts emerge, whenever you find yourself feeling anxiety, whenever you find yourself realizing, I don't want to have that conversation, I don't want to have that conversation, I don't want to have the conversation, whenever you are trying to avoid or seeing someone as an, a person to now defeat, there's one word, it's an acronym that I want you to hold on to so that when it emerges, I want you to just repeat the word and prayerfully engage it. The opposite of conflict, as I'm thinking about it today, is rest. Our hearts 
being at rest, at rest. And what I mean by rest is essentially this. There's four things I want you to hear. So whenever conflicts emerge, say to yourself, rest, rest. And four things, four invitations for us. When I talk about rest, first of all, I'm talking about reflecting. Reflecting on the source of your anxiety or anger or concern. Whenever you're in the midst of a conflict, may the Holy Spirit help you to say the word, rest. Let me step back and reflect what's actually happening in my soul right now. Why am I feeling so anxious about talking to this person? Why is so much anxiety and disorientation now stirring inside of me? I want you to reflect on the source of your anxiety. Secondly, I want to invite you to explore your own values on the matter. The truth is, much of the reasons why we're so torn up and in knots on the inside is because we have not taken the time to clarify our own values and why something is really important to us. And to be able to say to someone, the reason I feel this way is because this is what I value and this is what I want to communicate to you. Typically, those values never come to the surface, but we have an opportunity as followers of Jesus under the guidance of the Holy Spirit to begin to explore your own values on the matter. The next word is seek. Seek out others you can process with. We all need people we can process with. The first Wednesday of each month, I meet with three friends for an hour and a half over Zoom. And one of the questions that we come up with every week is, where, what issue do you need feedback on? And every first Wednesday of the month, for an hour and a half, we're just working through, what do I need feedback on? What do I need perspective on? I need all the help I can get to see relationships around me flourish and be healthy and whole. Seek out others you can process with. And then lastly, trust. Trust that God can give you grace for hard moments. God is with you. Some of you have been avoiding a hard conversation for weeks and for months. And remember, God is with you. I would say, regarding the seek out thing with community and with others, sometimes what comes to the surface is this. As you talk to people, you realize, you know what, this is my issue. I don't even have to address it with someone. I think I need to just work this out in my own soul. And that's the tension that we have to navigate and negotiate, but we need others on the journey. Here's the question. Where do you need to go this week? What is the invitation from the Holy Spirit right now as you're navigating your own conflicts? Where is the Spirit saying, I want you to cultivate calm presence, humility, community? Where do you need to rest Because at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, as followers of Jesus, what we are invited into, the world does not know how to navigate conflict well. But we are called to be different from the world, to live lovingly, wisely, compassionately, holding together the tension of grace and truth, becoming wise in our conflicts. Let's pray together. Let me invite you to take a deep breath in and out. To even talk about conflict and 
challenges of human relationships brings about anxiety in the best of us. Sometimes you wonder how in the world can I handle this wisely and lovingly? God is with you. We are here to support one another on the journey. The Holy Spirit is in you. God can help us become wise. Lord, I imagine that for those watching, those in this room, there's so many areas of conflicts that we've had a hard time navigating. And yet, you call us to rest, to be at rest, to find rest in your love, and to live from a place of deep prayer and examination. Lord, we long for our relationships to be marked by healing, wholeness, joy, peace. And so lead us in the way we should go. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing together. so much that shakes us when conflict emerges and we are invited to put our trust in the love of God out of which we are given the courage and the foundation to wisely navigate our conflicts. To be human 
is to experience conflict. There's no way around it. And yet God can lead us as a congregation in our own individual lives and in our families to live in grace and in truth, love and compassion, justice and mercy. And we are to hold these tensions together. As we close at the end of our service, for those of you watching online or those of you who want to join into this, uh, we'll have a sermon discussion time. One of our pastors will be leading that. And so feel free to follow the link. And if there's just questions you might be having or uh, things you want to just be in conversation with for 30 minutes, we'll have a sermon discussion time. So feel free to click on that link and join us on that. We'll also have a prayer time as well. So if you're looking for prayer, there's a link to receive prayer uh, in addition to that. I imagine some of you watching online or maybe some of you in this room here, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to him. You've never opened yourself to his love. And today you're saying, I, I want that love to be poured into me. I want forgiveness of sins. Here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. In all of our conflicts with one another and with all of our conflicts that we have with God, God moves towards us in love. God in Jesus Christ forgives us. God in Jesus Christ takes on our sin. God in Jesus Christ makes us holy. God in Jesus Christ forms us to be people marked by wisdom and by love. And so if you came into church today and you're saying, I want to receive that love, taste that love, be shaped and formed and rescued by that love. You can text the phrase, yes to Jesus, to that number on the screen there, 718-424-0122. One of our pastors would love to follow up with you as you take your next step. As we close our service, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven. I want to offer a blessing to you. As a reminder, next week we'll have... Uh, one more week of registration, and then starting February 6th, uh, we'll eliminate registration and open uh, the room to everyone, and we'll have uh, middle school ministry as well at 11 o'clock, so just be mindful of that. Let me bless you. I, listen, in a world that we're in right now, there's so many conflicts, so much stress, so much antagonism. May we be people marked by calm presence. May we be people marked by humility. May we be people who seek out community. May we be people who show the world what is possible when Jesus Christ gets a hold of someone. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this online gathering and out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit becoming a calm presence, walking in humility, searching for community. And may the Lord do great wonders through you. May healing emerge in your relationships. May wholeness emerge in your relationships. May understanding emerge in your relationships. May peace and joy be a result. And so I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the wise name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said... Amen. Grace and peace to you all.